Welcome to IEQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. Changed today wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio, for Friday, March 13th, 2009. Episode 116 comes to you from Studio B in beautiful Coriopolis, Pennsylvania. My name is Joe Hughes, or Radio Joe. Here with me in the studio today is Environmental Annie. Hey, Joe. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, Annie. And on the phone with us will be a frequent contributor to IAQ Radio, an IAQA vice president and the owner of Healthy Habitats, Carl Grimes. We'll bring him on in a moment. The Z-Man is at the RIA convention and will be back with us next week. And, of course, as usual, at the controls is the wingman, Chris Boisel. Good afternoon. Good day, Chris. Our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow, will also be joining us here today at halftime and again at the roundup. Today's segments include... Michael Roland Williams, executive producer of the new mo- new movie Black Mold. Uh, let's see, make sure I get this right now. Black Mold Exposure, directed by Michael Roland Williams, and uh, we'll then do, do the halftime, and we'll come back with the roundup after the end of the show here. Today's segments will also include the microband trivia question. Can't forget that. We've been updating that uh, blog every week on the IAQ Radio website. Go to www.iaqradio.com. And check it out. Before we get started, let's thank our sponsors. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. Microband Systems, the microbial management company at microbandsystems.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IEQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising informational available at ieconnections.com. Dry Ease Products, providing equipment for drying water damaged homes and buildings. Dry Ease is first in drying solutions at dri-eaz.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at jondon.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their products and services. All right. To contact the show, just call 724-444-7444. Our show ID is 1547. And then all you have to do is press the number one nowadays to uh, join the show. You can also download the show later if you don't catch us live at iaqradio.com. Follow the link that says go to the show or get it from iTunes. Don't forget, we also have available those IICRC continuing education credits or IAQ council renewal credits. Just email me and request a quiz. My email is joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. You can also get that off the website. And, of course, we also like to hear from you about suggestions for guests, questions, etc. 
You can email me or Cliff Zlotnick at unsmoke.com. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. I'm going to turn it over to Environmental Annie for this week's microband trivia question. Sadly, there were no correct answers to last week's trivia question. You know, you can win a really cool prize by answering a microband trivia question. And the good news is that a few trivia questions of the past shows still remain unanswered. It's easy to submit an answer for the trivia question. Simply email joe at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com or cliff at cliffslotnick at unsmoke.com. The microband trivia question for Friday, March 13, 2009. In the 1930s in Eastern Europe and Russia... Many thousands of horses died after consuming fodder contaminated with this fungi. Name that fungi. Uh, that's an easy one this week, listeners. Let's see if we can't get a, a quick answer here. You can text it in to, uh, right now if you want. All right, this week's guest is going to be Michael Rowan Williams. I've got a little bio on uh, Michael. He's the uh, producer and director for a, a new movie coming out, Black Mold Exposure. And uh, he was born in Dallas, raised in Houston, went to school at the University of Texas in Austin, moved back to Dallas after a revelation that he wanted to pursue an acting uh, career, but a degree in economics wasn't going to do much help in launching the career. He eventually has worked in all the mediums as a professional actor and was in the process of writing a script and acquiring the rights to two stories when he recognized the story was in the lives of the participants of this film. Black Mold Exposure is Michael's directorial debut. Good day, Michael. I think we've got some uh, intro music. All right. Hello, Michael. Good morning. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good I'm, day. I'm still morning by about 50 minutes. So. Yeah, we're we're good day, I guess I should say here, because uh, right. we, we go worldwide, actually. We've yeah. got listeners in Australia, et cetera, but uh, over in the uh, United Kingdom and everything. But, uh, I, you know, we've get, been getting a lot of um, feedback on, on the trailer for the movie. Maybe I could just start by giving a little background on the movie, if you don't mind. Um, it follows your life, uh, is that correct? It does. It follows my life and my girlfriend Karen's life. Okay. And well, I wouldn't say our life, but you know, our mold, our mold situation. All right. And and I understand there was a 264 unit apartment community that did you both live there? We, well, see, that was her apartment, and i she was feeling ill, and she wanted me to move in there. Um, and I was sort of in between apartments, you know, kind of when you're renting your apartment and you've got like two weeks between leases and you have nowhere to live. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm moving there if you're feeling ill. I don't have anywhere to live anywhere. I don't want to, I want to extend that lease. And, and then I moved in there and uh, I, I was in the apartment for like 24 hours a day because I was working out of the apartment. So I was in there about three months, 24 hours a day. Right, and this apartment building is now 
gone? Is that accurate? Or no, it is not. It's just closed. No, it is not. Oh, it's back open. Okay. It's back open. Ah, interesting. Has it yeah. been remediated? It has. Okay. Uh, it, it was closed for five years, approximately, and, uh, and now it's reopened under new management under a new name. I think it's interesting here where you, in the section I'm reading about the film, it says Michael and Karen claim to have developed allergies and sensitivities to virtually everything, causing them difficulty in finding safe housing, as well as numerous other bizarre problems that have continued over the last five years. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, well, let's, let's go into the movie itself a little bit more. First, I've, sure. I've had this question myself, is it showing now anywhere? No, not yet. Um, we'll have the world premiere in Dallas. Just since everything kind of happened in Dallas, we happened to us in Dallas. We've got the apartment in Dallas. We've got lots of news. You know, we kind of had some news hits from that apartment. You know, we've got the newscasters in there. So it's kind of a Dallas thing. Um, we figured we'd get a lot of support here. So it's going to premiere on April 14th um, at Landmarks Magnolia Theater. And then it will screen in Dallas for the public on the 21st. Um, and then it will platform release into other markets, seven other markets. Actually, six, seven total markets. Um, and it, it's kind of like one a week, one maybe like, you know, on the, the next Tuesday, and then the one the following week. And, you know, it kind of helps us build a little bit of a word of mouth. You know, since we don't have $35 million, just throw it all out there at one time. Sure. And are these cities already laid out in advance? They are. Um, the initial cities we've got going, um, I, can't, I can't even remember myself. I've got to bring them up. Um, we've got, let's see, it's Dallas. We go to Dallas, then we go to Austin. Um, then it's San Diego, and I don't know if it's in this order, but it's San Diego, um, Boston, Seattle, and uh, I, I'll have to pull it up myself. Honestly, it, it, it becomes a blur after a while. I understand. I understand. Well, we could we can go into that, but after that initial, I'm just curious because people have actually I've had emails from people saying, "Well, when will we be able to see this?" So from that initial seven cities, if you're fortunate enough to be in one of those, you can see it. But how does yeah, here we go? I've got it: San okay. Diego, Boston, Seattle, Houston, Chicago, and then you know San Diego on May 12th, Boston May 14th, Seattle May 19th, Houston May 26th, and then Chicago June 16th. Okay, and then from there, how does how is it determined how widely distributed the movie will be from there? Well, it depends on how well we do in these markets. It depends on how well the reviews are. Uh, it depends on whether we pick up a larger distributor who wants to do a wider release. Um, so it actually depends on a lot of things. Okay. And and if it doesn't, let's say um, it doesn't get it, picked up widely, will there be another mechanism for people to get a hold of it? Yeah, it will eventually be, um, you know, distributed on DVD. Okay. Um, and... You know, we kind of, in order to maximize our revenue, we sort of have to hit all the markets. You know, we've got to do the theatrical. Then we go DVD, then hopefully, you know, pay-per-view, cable, then international markets. You know, we kind of have to step, take each step at a time. 
try to maximize that um, so we can, you know, recoup um, the production costs. Okay. I just wanted to kind of get that straight before we get started yeah. on exactly what the movie yeah, is. Yeah, the goal is for anybody on the planet to be able to view it at some point, you know, via DVD or wherever. Okay. Now, yeah. what, what style or, uh, you know, what style is the movie? Is it intended to be a documentary or is it, um, you know, like a Friday the 13th kind of thing? Uh, it's a documentary. I mean, it's, it's, it's straight nonfiction. I mean, it's, there's, there's, not a, there's not an ounce of, as far as I know. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, I've, I've watched this movie. I, you know, I've lived this movie. I've shot this movie. I've edited this movie for 16 hours a day for you know 10 months. I've been working to distribute this film, and I, I'm very familiar with the footage. It's, it's it's strictly a documentary. Okay. Now, I've seen the uh, I don't know if you call it a trailer or whatever. I'm not a movie guy, but uh, I've seen the short video clip that kind of introduces people to the movie. That's the trailer. Okay. Now, how do you select those little? slices that you put together for that movie is it something that you do you look for the worst case scenarios or something that gives the best theatrical effect are you trying to you know shock people a little bit or exactly what was your thought behind putting that together well you're just trying to tell the movie i mean you've got to tell the movie in two minutes and 30 seconds mm-hmm. you know what the story's about what the movie's about um and that's i think we did a really good job of that uh, people you know who have seen the movie uh, my sick sound guys my mixers my composers you know we all consulted as we did the tra- as i did the trailer as we, he worked on the trailer the composer and, and you know we all came to a consensus it you know it took us a while to to do it that trailer it, you know those trailers are thousands of thousands of dollars in hollywood to to, to if you want to outsource your trailer so it's, it's, it's like actually making a movie in itself because trailers can go really bad, but I think we did a good job with ours. We have a pretty uh, impressive group of um, people that are part of the video. I mean, we've had, for instance, Dr. Uh, Shoemaker on the show, and well, we've had Sharon Kramer on the show, and we've had uh, um, Nick Money on the show here. How did you contact these people and get them to participate in your movie? Well, I, I, when I first started the movie, it was just shooting me and Karen's life. Um, and then once I started getting some interviews, you know, I started out with Dr. Ray in Dallas because I knew I could get that interview. Um, and then I just started using that interview to snowball other interviews. And um, that's just, it just, just kept growing from there. Um, you know, I had an idea of the things that I wanted to discuss. I didn't want to go into detail, you know, ex- I mean, I, I didn't want to go into extreme detail about, you know, mold remediation or um, how to remediate your house. I mean, those those videos, you know, how to get well from mold, those videos belong in the, you know, hardware store, the how-to section or the or a physician's organization's library or, you know, something like that. I mean, this is a movie made for theatrical release. And, um, you know, the goal is to entertain and, and enlighten and educate. But, but the main, the goal is to entertain because you cannot release a movie and, and not entertain people because I, I think they watch movies to be entertained. They don't watch movies to be educated. 
it's not it's not that my movie isn't educational and it's not that it's enlightening um, but you know we had to be entertaining the goal from the very beginning was to be entertaining uh, above and beyond everything else and then secondly you know and I don't mean entertaining to the point where it's overly trying to entertain I just mean it needs to be an entertaining film where people are going to enjoy watching it it's got to keep their attention I guess yeah, you don't want, yeah, it's a story. I mean, the, the film basically, I mean, here's the structure of it, you know, because I know a lot of people are, I've seen, you know, I've seen a couple of emails and a couple of chat room session type things, and I know that people, you know, one remediator was saying that, you know, it's it's probably fiction and blah, 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 you know, because it's black mold exposure and only black mold, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, that's not what it is. What it is, it's a story. It's a story about Michael and Karen, and I'm, talking about myself in the third person but it's a story about michael and karen okay no. and um it's from the beginning to the end they're the through line and then throughout that process we go delve into other people's lives and we also talk about the you know the michael and karen story is the subjective storyline you know and then the objective storyline is the overall is the larger mold picture you know, with the doctors and attorneys and lawmakers and, and that controversy. Okay. Well, I, I'm curious because you mentioned a name that I'm familiar with. I'm not sure if all of our listeners are. Um, Dr. Ray, uh, down in the Texas area, he's he's very well known for working with people who have chemical sensitivities. I'm, I'm going to use that terminology or environmental sensitivities, whichever uh, whichever fits the situation. And um, I'm curious, did you go to Dr. Ray for uh, help with your problem? I did. I sure did. Me and Karen both went to Dr. Ray. Uh, we didn't know that he was in Dallas. We kind of suffered for a couple of years because we didn't nobody could help us. And uh, we found Dr. Ray and went over there, and we you know, started getting better. Um, Karen's about 95% well, 99%. I, you know, she she has a few problems, but she's she's pretty much living her life. I, she was worse than me at the beginning. It seems that she's gotten well faster than me. I'm still struggling with a few things. Now, when you say she's gotten well, can you tell us a little bit about what the the health, the symptoms were that both of you, or, you know, can you give us a little more detail on what the problem was? Well, one thing that's unique about me and Karen is, you know, typically you have somebody sick from mold and then you have one person in the family sick or two people sick sometimes and not t- well, I don't want to say typically but I, I want to say occasionally you'll have not everybody in the family will be sick and then not everybody in the family will have the same problems but, but with you, me it, go yeah. ahead. no go ahead. I was just gonna say but, but you did have similar problems right and with me and Karen we basically had the same problems except and those problems um, were allergies to everything, uh, foods, pollen outside, chemical sensitivities, new carpet, um, new furniture, you name it. Uh, the AC was burning our faces profusely everywhere we went, the air conditioner, the HVAC in Texas, that's, you know, all year round blowing. Um, just basically we had multiple chemical sensitivity uh, and what that is is you know you're just hypersensitive and highly sensitive to small amounts of chemicals and um, pollens and foods and 
there's a universal reactor is what I call it. Um, and, and the difference between me and Karen was that I had a bigger problem with the pollen outside right in the spring and the fall. Um, and she had a bigger problem with food being, you know, sensitive to that. And prior to your exposure in the uh, apartment building, you did not have problems with the pollens? I didn't have problems with anything. Oh, um, okay. I occasionally, I would, you know, in, in the fall, I might get, you know, sneeze a few times, but I didn't, I didn't even have an, I didn't even, it wasn't even bad enough for me to call it allergies. I mean, it was, but it, like I said, in the fall around my birthday, I might, you know, have a little stuffy nose and, and sneeze a few times. Uh, and I mean, I literally mean a few times, you know, a couple, you know, maybe, a, maybe a week I might sneeze a little bit, but it, that was it. Let me do this, uh, Michael. Uh, Annie has a quick question for you, and I want to bring Carl Grimes on the line. I know he's got to have a couple questions by now. So, Annie, go ahead. Yeah, Mike, how did you come to find Dr. Ray? Was he recommended to you by another doctor, or did you do, like, a a doctor search for a specialist? Um, Karen was referred to Dr. Ray by, I think it was the guys who did the mold testing, in the apartment. Okay. I don't even remember. I didn't get referred. It was Karen who got referred, and uh, she got referred by... It was either the guys who did the mold testing or the guys who did the mold testing knew somebody who knew a doctor or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's bring Carl Grimes on. Carl, hello. No, good morning, Michael. Oh, good morning. Um, I've got... Uh, a half a dozen different ways to start. <laughs> so, if I stumble a little bit, please uh, forgive me. Uh, one of the reasons for that is, as uh, Joe mentioned uh, before we went on the air, I'm very active in the industry. So, I, I'm familiar with the industry side of this. But I was also one of those victims myself, and this goes back 20-some years ago. And what I find interesting for me is that uh, mold was a significant part of my problems, but it wasn't the only one, and it wasn't the major one. And what I see in the clients that I've worked with, and I've specialized, I do general type consulting work, but I also specialize in people that are in situations such as you and Karen found yourself. There's something bothering me. I don't feel well. I am really sick. I'm kind of sick, whatever that range is. And for whatever reason, they come to realize, think, blame, whatever you want, word you want to use there, um, where they're living. Right. And the, the, the myriad of, of uh, symptoms and complaints, I tend to use complaints rather than symptoms because I'm not a physician. Right. But, you know, what, what you laid out with you and Karen is I, I hear this every day from my clients and I saw it in myself. Uh, you know, 20-some years ago. So um, it, it, it's, it's a similar type story that I'm familiar with on many different levels from the victim side. It's a similar type story that I'm familiar with from the professional side. And it, it's, it's very different than the impression I get from the trailer. So I, I guess my first question is, kind of leaping ahead, uh, 
uh, is how representative do you think the trailer is of, of the story of you and Karen and the others? And do you think that if we if people go to see the movie that that it'll come across? Uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Uh, if it'll come across the way you want it to. Well, um, I'm glad you asked that because, first of all, I want to backtrack. Is I, I, I know exactly what you're saying with, um, you know, you have people with a myriad of, of complaints, um, and that's the problem. It, that's the real problem with the mold situation that's going to make it a real, real difficult situation for years to come. I know the mold folks don't want to hear that, but that's my opinion, um, simply because it's just like tobacco to me. You've got people who smoke, um, and, well, for example, my family knows someone who's in her 90s, and she just got lung cancer. She's been smoking this whole time. Um, you have people who um, smoke, and they get lung cancer at 40. You get people who smoke, they don't get lung cancer. get smoked, they get, they get lung cancer at 97. Then you have people who don't smoke who get lung cancer. Um the mold thing, in my opinion, is the same situation because you have people in work environments. Uh, some are getting ill. Some aren't. Um, some are getting various complaints. Some aren't. And it's because it's, it's, a, it's a bio, you know, it's a biochemical situation. It's a, everybody's bi- biology is different. But the thing is with tobacco, you're smoking cigarettes. It's a one, one, it's a constant at least. With mold, You've got all kinds of molds doing all kinds of things that we don't even know about. You know, over 100,000 species, I, I believe, and um, and it just makes for a big mess because not only that, then you have to factor in, is it blowing out of your HVAC system? Is it just in the wall? Is it on a small spot in your house? Is it, you know, in your basement? Um, how long have you been exposed to it? Um, there's just so many variables there that are just incomprehensible and that's what makes it a very difficult situation to pinpoint it as being mold and I know that's an argument that a lot of people have and I'm in complete agreement um, and that's why in my opinion the, the solution to mold is just to stay away from it just like we do smoking you know you can smoke at your own risk we because every even that even now people have come out with studies and say okay yeah we now we know smoking causes low birth rates now we know smoking has a higher incidence of uh, uh, pancreatic cancer. Uh, no, by the way, now we know smoking has, uh, you know, mouth cancer. So they're always coming out with the new things every, you know, 10 or 15 years or whatever. They'll have a new study or something like that. And, you know, the, the thing is, you just don't smoke if you don't, want to, if you don't want to go there. And I feel the same way with, about mold. If you don't want to go there, you know, just stay away. And, but the problem is, is we can't mandate that. I mean, we can't uh, have that requested in, you know, buildings when people don't believe that it makes you sick. For example, school buildings. You have to send your kid to school. It's a public school, but they don't have to maintain the structure from water intrusion. They don't have to maintain that structure's air ventilation system because mold doesn't cause illness. If we can get to a point where we can recognize that mold even causes four illnesses that are severe enough to warrant structural integrity across, you know, the world, then in the Western civilizations where we have these AC and ventilation systems and these tight homes that don't get any air, 
then we're going to prevent all the mold illnesses. And we don't really have to go there with what does it do or what does it cause. Just stay the hell away from it. That, that kind of leads to the, one of the major objections that I hear and my, my clients run into all the time, and I'm sure you have, is well, you can't just stay away from mold, the flip side of that, because it's everywhere. And the flip side of that is because it's everywhere, why don't you react everywhere, especially outside? Um, so why, why do you think it's mold? I don't mean this is a challenge to you, but as a... The, the energy of my statement is that I still run into this myself, even with my own family and some of my friends and colleagues and so forth. How can you be so sick from what you say is mold indoors when you step outside and the levels are probably higher? So aside from the debate on that issue, how do you handle that? And how is that, is that issue addressed in your movie? Well, first, uh, let me let me answer your first question first about the trailer, because I kind of went off on a tangent. But if you don't mind, no, go for sure. it, please. Okay. Um, does the trailer is the trailer indicative of the film? And um, uh, absolutely, it is. Um, we've actually got the trailer up on Facebook here, um, and we've got comments from people who have actually lived the same life that I've lived. Um, 32 comments actually and um, you know a lot of people are saying it's bringing them to tears um, thank you thank you thank you from chills to tears here's my heart racing and shaking just to bring up emotions um, this is my life this looks so familiar this is my life um, you know if you've ever been exposed to mold and been very ill from mold then you know this is your life. This is the life that people have lived, and that's what is portrayed in the in the trailer. I mean, point blank, it's dead on. And and the movie tells a story about me and Karen's life. I can't speak for anyone else about mold and what mold did to them. I have no idea. I can only speak for myself, and I know how infested our apartment was. I. It was so infested that it was seeping out of the wall, and I put my finger on this black spot, and it, my fingers were melted through the sheetrock, and it was pouring out of the HVAC system. We were itching and couldn't figure out why we were itching and um, just got progressively worse and worse and worse, and the way I found out that it was blowing out of the HVAC is because I put together a new computer, um, and I laid down on the carpet right to where that AC vent was blowing. It had been like 110 degrees for about a week in September. That was uh, really hot for here. Um, and I, I got the flu in like a 30-second period. Um, and I was like, okay, whatever it is, it's making us itch and making us sick. It's on the carpet. Um, and then I looked up, and I saw the vent there, um, and I realized it's blowing out of the vents. I, got this, I had been getting that same flu feeling when I would go to bed because I would lay down on the bed and the air had been blowing on the bed all day long. And when I laid on there, um, there was accumulation of mold on the bed and I would, have, I would feel like I got the flu um, when I would lay down. I mean, it was, took about two minutes and I would start feeling those feelings. And I, I just, I didn't, I mean, you know, it's 110 outside, you know, I mean, it, it does not feel good. So I didn't, you know, and that's how we came to that 
conclusion and just and then I looked in the vents and it was just it was packed. It wasn't just a little bit of mold. It wasn't just hey there's some mold. It was piled inches high in the HVAC system. And then I turned the wall and I and I said okay it's it's mold. And then I saw this black spot. I put my finger on it and my finger went right to the wall. Um, we had you know Karen had a skin condition that was bothering her her face. And she's like, come over, I'm getting sick, I don't know what's going on. So I went over there, and about two weeks later, I was itching too. And so I'm like, okay, well, it's just something that you, your product you're using or uh, something like that. And, you know, throughout all the products. And so this went on for about a month, two months, and, you know, like I said, three months. And then, you know, we finally figured out what it was. As far as anybody else, I can't, I can't speak for anybody else. And I, and I don't in the film. I don't speak for anyone else. I don't. I don't. I don't say that it's mold. I let them tell their own story. Uh, the, again, um, I, I'm I'm touched by what you're saying because it's it, it's you know it's a story that I've heard over and over and over again, and, and it's very credible. I guess one of the qu- other questions is it relates to you said that you know there was lots of mold. The sheetrock was obviously severely water damaged and uh, mold and bacteria and what the AIHA and their publication now is calling filth caused by moisture rather than just mold, but, you know, that's the whole syndrome of mold, bacteria, and other kinds of things that go with that deterioration and so forth. That's right. When it's really bad, like you had, that's a distinct difference between outdoors and other buildings and so forth. Do you have any sense, uh, maybe an unfair question, but do you have any sense of how does a person tell when the mold that's always there is too much mold. Does that make sense? Yeah, if the mold is there, it's too much mold. That's my opinion. But I think you should. I think you should have no mold. I think you should have no mold in your environment because it, it's different indoors than it is out. We don't live outdoors. Yeah, you know what? When they say yeah, the mold outside is the same level. Sure, during a thunderstorm, uh, after a thunderstorm, the mold's very high. But you know, very few places on the planet have thunderstorms every single day, all day long. Um, because that would be the equivalent. Um, and, you know, as a matter of fact, when it would thunderstorm outside, my head would itch profusely once I got out of the apartment, you know, because it was, it was moldy. And my head, my, my, my head would itch so bad after a thunderstorm. So I know that the mold is high. And I'm like, why is my head itching, you know? I, didn't, I wasn't aware of this mold after thunderstorms, you know, when it rains type thing, uh, high levels. But, you know, I go back, I go back to what I was saying before. Every person is different. Some people may say you know, some people are born with allergies to mold. Um, some people develop allergies. Uh, some people get allergies from mold, just like Karen and I. So, who's to say how much mold? There aren't any standardized methods to measure how much mold of what kind, in what mixtures, in what exposure type, over what period of time is going to make any given person ill. There's no standards. And I don't think there ever will be. Michael, let me... Because it... Go ahead. Excuse me? I was just going to ask another question, but if you wanted to add something, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I just don't think there ever will be. I mean, we may have some sort of a standard saying, okay, yeah, you know, a one-foot block of mold is, you know... I mean, just if you have any mold, you need to get rid of it. That's my opinion. Because you don't know who's sensitive. You don't know who's, who's, who's uh, going to get ill from it. Because people are allergic to it. And, you know... It's kind of the way I put it, and uh, sorry for interrupting you, Joe, because I know you have a question, is if you don't feel well when you're exposed to something, 
get away from it, avoidance, and that's really the, their sense there's no medical treatment uh, for most of this. That, that is the medical treatment. It's the most effective one is to avoid it. I totally agree with you on, on, on that one. And we don't have to prove that it's mold, or we don't have to prove that it's a plug-in deodorizer. We don't have to prove that it's a cat uh, allergen necessarily before we take care of ourselves. Right. It's when we try to uh, put the liability or blame on someone, especially if we don't have control over our environment and somebody else does, that's when we get into this big debate. But I, I agree with what you're saying is as far as taking care of myself personally, I don't have to know what it is and I don't have to prove it with a test or a peer-reviewed study or anything like that. If I leave that, that exposure source or that location and I feel better, and I get sick or don't feel well when I go back to that location, I'm not going to go to that location. And if that's where I'm living, I have to do something about changing my environment or leaving that environment in order to take care of myself. So that that's I, I hear that coming through with you also, Michael. So anyway, I'll, I'll quit now, and I'll let Joe ask his question. All right, we'll bring you well, back in a moment. Go ahead, Mike, you have another comment? Yeah, I, want, I want to make a comment there because this is because this is this is the crux of the situ- this is the crux of the mold thing right here. I mean, this is it. You know what what he said, what Carl said. This is it. This is the thing. This is this is the controversy right here. How do you know it's mold? Um, you know that's that's the thing. Um, and I know it's mold. I can't speak for anybody else. I really can't. Um, and honestly, I do, we don't know what mold will do. If somebody told me that their eyeballs bled out of their skull because of mold, I'd have to give them benefit of the doubt. I really would because of what I've seen in my own life, the hell that I have lived and the things that I have seen in my own life. You know, I, I would have to give that person the benefit of the doubt because I don't know if they're sleeping under, you know, tons of mold and it's pouring under their pillow and it's getting in their eyes when they sleep. I mean, you know, who knows? But, there, you know, because there's so many, this was saying, there's so many unique situations and this is something that we just don't know. And, and what really bothers me about science uh, and medicine is that we always, the physicians always assume that everything we know now is everything we're ever going to know. And history has proven that we've always been wrong and we'll always know more. You know, they used to think that ulcers were from stress. Now they know it's from bacteria. Uh, that's just one example. For years, you know, drink milk. Now they know that that milk is the worst thing you can drink. Um, and throughout history, man has shown that in, in, this, in, this, in this field that he thinks he knows everything. Like right now, the physicians think they know everything. Um, they think they know everything that they need to know, and, or at least they act like it. Okay, maybe not the ones on the research end, but the ones treating Act like this is the way it is. What I'm saying is the authority, and that's just not true. Let me let me quickly. We, we're going to have to stop for halftime in a moment and thank our sponsors again. But before we do, I want to clean up a couple things real quick. Um, one is that um, obviously we can't have no mold. There's going to be mold, but I think what you're referring to is there shouldn't be active growth in your home or in buildings, okay, as opposed right. to no mold in the air. Okay. Just want right. to get that clarified. Secondly, I have a good comment from a listener saying that no one is born with an allergy to mold. At least one exposure in vitro is required. I believe that's accurate, so I want to just, just clarify that, and we'll bring Dr. Wow on in a moment to, to make okay. that, uh, to clarify that, okay? Well, I'm, okay, all right. 
And I'm not trying to say that, you know, you, you no, made a wrong but mistake get, or anything but like that. All I'm saying is people are getting technical. Okay, maybe you get the allergy when you're one month old. I don't know. What I'm saying is, is people grow up, children have allergies. I don't know if they're getting I don't know where they're getting them from. My whole point is, is people are getting allergies. They have allergies. Some don't have allergies. Some do. That's what I was trying to say. Sure. I'm just, I just want to make sure we keep everything clear, Michael. I want to keep Absolutely. The, Absolutely. Know, uh, that's, I think that's the important part of this show is to make sure that people – look at your reasons for doing the movie and the movie in the right light. Um, The other thing I'd I'd like to do is I do have a guest, uh, a question that I'm going to get to after halftime, please. It's a great, uh, great question about uh, how you uh, get back to a normal life while you avoid. So um, we've got to do that. The other thing I want to do is uh, there's another good comment about, you know, mold being, stop referring to mold as one thing. And I think people just in case others don't realize that, I think, Michael, most of us are referring to um, problems caused by dampness, and some people say, you know, it's it's mold, some people say it's the bacteria, some people say it's other things. So um, I think maybe what I'd prefer to do is refer to damp buildings or, or um, a multitude of uh, microbiological issues that surround living in damp buildings. But you can, you know, you can put it whatever way you would like. Um, now, real quick, I got to go to halftime, and it'll only take a second here. I want to thank my sponsors. I want to bring Dr. Dieter in for a quick comment. Then we've got to get back to this uh, very interesting interview. Go ahead. We lost our whistle. There it is. All right. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. Microband Systems, the microbial management company at microbandsystems.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IEQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising informational available at ieconnections.com. Dry Ease Products, providing equipment for drying water-damaged homes and buildings. Dry Ease is first in drying solutions at dri-eaz.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at jondon.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their products and services. All right, excellent. Let's bring Dr. Dieter on. Hello, Dieter. Hi there. Any questions or comments? Well, yeah, I have uh, a, a couple, like uh, some of them Carl uh, touched on and so on. <clears throat> what, what interests me, or where there is a big question mark, you know, uh, Michael was talking about, uh, hey, I was exposed to mold. My question is, and, and I know the difficulties of measuring how much was there. Well, let's assume there was mold. But I, um, I've never heard that, or... Maybe mold has the, uh, the capability of producing uh, or uh, working on the immune system. I never really heard it as such. But <clears throat> with that multiple, you know, I was exposed to mold, and I have multiple chemical sensitivities to everything. I, I, I never heard about it. The other question that I have, apparently it was one type of mold, and... It says black mold, and I associate black mold, mold with uh, Stachybotrys. Was it ever identified? And how much was there? That is the big problem with any disease we have, with any agent we have. 
there is something called the dose-response relationship. And if you can't uh, establish a dose-response relationship, you virtually have nothing. Yes, I do believe that one in 10 million will react to, 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 to whatever. And that one in 10 million will react to another one for whatever reason. I, uh, fortunately, our bodies are different and they are not all the same, like in inbred mice or something like that, or guinea pigs. So those are questions that I have, and I, uh, I, 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 I like this argument with the cigarettes. You know, why do some people smoke and don't get lung cancer? Well, they all get emphysema and uh, chronic bronchitis. And uh, why do other people who don't smoke cigarettes get lung cancer? I don't know. There, uh, there are many answers for that. And unfortunately, we don't, and I may, maybe we need, to, we need to look into that. There isn't really a lot of research that has been done to look at mold uh, closer than we have, other than, yeah, it's a wet building. And I believe this. I believe this. A building in which there is a lot of microbial growth of whatever it is is probably not as healthy as something in that, that I live in in my house where there is no water intrusion and I'm sure there are a bunch of um, uh, mold spores here. Okay, good good point, dear. Let me uh, see if I can kind of paraphrase uh, and, and get a direct question from Michael. First, before I do, I want to uh, thank you, Wayne. It, it, I should be referring to probably the fungal population, and, and that's diverse within any building, okay? And that obviously changes when we build buildings. Anytime we build them, condition them, and occupy them, the diversity changes. And when they become damp, it changes again. And so there's going to be a diversity. But I'm curious, Michael, was there a specific, uh, did, did anyone ever tell you there was a specific trigger that caused your initial reaction? Why do I need somebody to tell me that, first of all? Um, because who's going to tell me that? Nobody believes that mold makes you ill. So who's going to tell me that? I don't know that there's nobody. I mean, I think you've got quite there's a nobody, few man. There's nobody, man. There's nobody. There's five physicians in the whole freaking country. That's my whole point. That's the problem with the mold thing. Who told you that? Who told you mold made you ill? Nobody told me that. I mean, okay, so even, you know, but even if a fish physician tells me that, I don't, I don't put a lot of weight on what physicians say. I'm sorry, doctors. I don't trust you. I don't believe you, and I don't trust you. Okay, because we went to physician after physician after physician after physician. Karen went to the dermatologist because her skin was horrendous. He said it could be this, it could be that, it could be this, it could be that, it could be this, it could be that. It was just a big, big, long, drawn-out situation, and I, I just—it's it's a horrendous situation. I just—it's just a mess. Well, I could so tell I'm, you there's a, there's probably about 50 or 100 people listening right now that believe what you're saying, and that, and a lot of them are professionals in the industry. And what they're trying to yeah. do, I think, is help present this if in a way can, that will help all of the people suffering from these issues. Well, okay, what we need to do is we need to take an apartment and let mold grow at excessive levels, and we need to put some people in it and let them live there and do tests on them. That's what we need to do. Of course, we can't do that, okay? <laughs> That's the but problem. That's what we need. Yeah, but that's what we need to do. Um, but, you know, 
it's unfortunate that that's you know it can't be. I mean, we can't do that to people. You know, it's just it's not ethical. We wouldn't want to do that anyway. I wouldn't even want to do that. I wouldn't even do it to an animal. You know, it's just. But uh, well, let me let me get to a specific question that came from a listener that I that I think is well, let me, important. Let me answer the Go ahead. Let me answer Go ahead. the question that he, the doctor answered. He said, you know, he's never heard of chemical sensitivity, and I, actually, what I found through a lot of people that I spoke to that that the multiple chemicals and the sensitivities from mold exposure. Um, or, and I, I will say what these people are saying, that they've been exposed to mold, um, and I haven't spoken to them about their levels or what kinds or whatever, but, you know, that they've, they developed chemical sensitivity after there was some remediation in their homes and it was in the air and, and whatnot. And so that's actually a common situation. And see, here's the problem also with um, the multiple chemical sensitivity because that disease in itself is not recognized by a lot of physicians. Absolutely. Absolutely. So not only do you have, yeah, so you've got a disease, you know, Karen and I have something that's caused by something that, does, we've got something that doesn't exist caused by something that doesn't cause illness. Okay, so we've got... Tough situation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so we've got multiple chemical sensitivity, which does not exist, caused by something that does not cause illness. So, you know, it's it's, it's really a terrible situation. I mean, and I... I I know the other side of the story. I I I I, I'm, I agree, because if I had a, if I had a structure, and I had some people that were saying they were sick from mold and they had a little bit of mold, I, I'd be kind of angry about that, especially if they're trying to sue me. But you know that person may have an allergy to mold, and maybe they are ill from mold. Um, but if they are, then they need to get out of that place and and let's get it remediated. And that's why I say that the 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 trick is just is to keep the the fungal growth. As you know, the listener said, the fungal growth um, and, and the water intrusion out of the buildings as much as possible. It has to be a maintained thing. We can't go, oh, yeah, we've got water intrusion. Oh, you know, if there's a leak somewhere, it needs to be priority number one, not, oh, yeah, we'll get to that. If there's water, drips, anything, it needs to be taken care of immediately. You know, that's my, that, I, think that, I think that's the solution. That's a great point. That's a great one. Now, let me, let me go on to a, a couple questions that have come in here. Um, one was that once you were made environmentally sensitive by the exposure to a damp building, what steps were required for you to live a normal life while you avoided other damp buildings? Um, well, I, we had to find a place to live, which was first off, and we weren't able to actually go to another apartment because we were, you know, we were sensitive to the paint, to the new paint, to and I don't know what it's like in other in other cities, uh, but in Dallas, uh, you know, new places they always put new carpet down or the, the carpet's cleaned with a cleaner and it's always painted. And um, we searched and searched and we searched for about two years trying to find a place. And we, we, you know, as we were living at Karen's mom's and then we eventually moved into Karen's grandparents' house, and uh, we just we kept searching. We literally could not find a place for, that we could tolerate. Um, so we moved into a place that was already a nice home that was already furnished with older furniture, with older things, but not, you know, not too old of a place that was moldy, you know, or, or wet or with water intrusion problems, you know. What other things did Dr. Ray have you do that seemed to help? Um, Dr. Ray has antigen shots um, that he that he gives. He does uh, nutri- nutrients, um, checks your nutrient levels. 
Uh, make sure, you know, you take supplements if you can and, and make sure those are, because um, you've got to start with a base. I mean, I'm not a physician, but this is just how he, um, you know, his medicine works, is the environmental medicines. You, you know, you want to make sure all your nutrients are good and, um, you know, take the antigen shots and, and, um, were there any um, like uh, detoxification, sweating things out of you? Yeah, or? he does. He does. Yeah, he does a sauna. Uh, he's got the sauna going. Um, Staying in rooms that are you know already are developed in a way where there is there aren't any or there are very low chemical emissions, very you know no fungal contamination, etc. Oh yeah, I mean, I had to set up one room in, in the, her grandmother's house here and tape it off. So actually, the, the air, the HVAC wasn't even blowing on me because it was burning my face like a chemical burn. Um, and that was one of our main problems: is it which just burned our face and it was red and felt like a chemical burn, like somebody poured acid on our face, just day and night for years. And um, you know, so when we first came out of the out of there, it was just really bad and just so. I did set up a room so it wouldn't blow on me. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we didn't really get crazy with where, you know, where we, where we just had to, you know, just tape everything up, you know, the inside and out and foil and whatnot and, and, and you know, do that. But, you know, we've, we've definitely had to make some adjustments. Let me just get two more quick ones, and then I'd like to get back with um... – Dieter and Carl and, and do what we call the roundup. And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm hogging the questions here, but I'm having fun. Um, what percentage of the population do you think the events in this film represent? Just any idea? No idea. Okay. okay. I mean, I just, I have no idea. And, you know, I, I do want to say one thing that I forgot to say earlier. The CDC has done a report on mold. Um, after the Katrina situation, they had they did a report on uh, the aftermath of floods and major hurricanes, and they did come to the conclusion that mold can cause a couple of illnesses, um, that it's possible it's been directly linked to some other illnesses. Um, that's in our film. I don't have that in front of me right now, um, but they have come to the conclusion that, and, and we actually know that mold does cause. Uh, an illness called farmer's lung from exposure to grains, um, you know, so we do know that mold does cause illness. This isn't, this isn't some questionable thing. We know that aspergillus causes illness in immune-suppressed people. That's a fact. That's a medical fact. That's Absolutely. a medical proven fact. Yep. So everybody, you know, people are saying, well, well, mold doesn't cause this. Oh, yes, it does. We have two examples where we know that it does. Um, now, these other illnesses that aren't proven, it's kind of like the smoking thing. Yeah, well, we can't prove that it made you go blind smoking, but it does, you know, it probably, you know, it, that could be something. And maybe it does. Maybe I'm, I'm misinformed, but it could be lead to, you know, blindness in later years. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, is that we do know, you know, some illnesses that mold does cause. Um, and, you know, so the CDC did do that report and, there were some illnesses on there that they did recognize that, um, you know, it does cause some illness. Let me ask one more, and then we'll go back. We'll go to our roundup. Have thorough cleaning or remediation methods proven successful or beneficial for any of the scenarios portrayed in your film? And and if you want to just relate your own experience, that would be fine. 
Yeah, I don't go into remediation in the film. The film is more about the health aspect. Um, um, and I don't know if it worked or not. I haven't been back in that play in the building. I had to leave everything I owned in there, okay. and I left. I took my clothes that I was wearing, and I got in my car and got my keys and drove off. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. My movie does not go into remediation that much. I mean, there's a small bit on it, you know, how it, you know, what, what, you know, but I don't go into that. It's more about the lives of people that, um, and, and about, like I said, attorneys that say it doesn't, you know, um, cause illness. You got lawmakers, um, physicians, organizations writing papers that say that it doesn't cause illness. Um, and, you know, that's, that's what the movie's about. Right. And it's, I want to say one thing also about the movie. Please. Um, it's not a Michael Moore film um, where it's this completely dramatic, biased side to a story. People can watch the movie and they can decide for themselves. Um, I try to keep it, I just state the facts. This is what it is. This is what happened to us. This is what this person is saying. This is what happened with the ACOM report. This is what the people at ACOM are saying. Uh, this is what, um, you know, um, is happening here with Congressman uh, Miller. Um, this is what's happening here. Uh, this is what Dr. Shoemaker is saying. Uh, this is what Dr. Ray is saying. Uh, this is, you know, so we're just, I, I let, I don't try to spin it for the viewer. I let the story and the facts speak for themselves. Excellent. Excellent. That's a great point to bring up. Let me uh, do this, Mike. Well, can you stick with us another uh, 10 minutes or so here? Sure. Great. We're going to go to what we call a roundup and bring everybody back in for one last question. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up. Move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw high. Let's round it up here. Let's start with uh, Carl. I know, Carl, I know you've got to have another question. Oh, I, I could go another couple of hours here because <laughs> I find this fascinating. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to kind of, my final follow-up here, I want to touch on what happened in the last few minutes here where I, I think the, the, the raw nerve of this phenomena is touched on both sides both from your side, Michael, where, as you very eloquently and passionately said, not only do people not believe you, but the authorities that have the power to clarify and act and to treat and to help deny. One reason is because they don't have a clear-cut cause and effect. They don't have that dose-response relationship that, that Dieter talked about. And, you know, there's arguments that there may be other things other than that skew that dose response curve and so forth. Um, so without that, it's hard for us in the professions to act. And but at the same time, from the the person who's been affected by it, it's real. And kind of what you you said quite clearly, and what I would say too, and what I said earlier is that. 
just because you can't prove it doesn't mean it didn't happen to me. And where we really get bogged down in all this between the, the people that analyze and inspect and assess and make recommendations and the people who are having to live this gruesome experience, uh, you find one flaw in the argument and it negates everything. And that's what we have to get away from on both sides of it. It, it, it is my passionate position on this. So I guess my follow-up is, uh, if you if you agree with that, I, I hope I hope the film kind of brings this out that there's a lot of things we don't know, and just because we don't know doesn't mean this didn't happen to me. So I, I, I'd like to you to address that part from the point of view of your film. Yeah, I mean I, I completely agree, and that's that's one thing. I mean, I don't get angry when somebody has a different opinion. I don't get angry when they say, look, I don't think mold can cause illness. What I get angry as is when they say it definitive, it does not cause illness, and they close their brains. That's just, that's not even, that's not even a reasonable reaction. And that's what, you know, uh, with the Chamber of Commerce, when they had uh, Congressman Miller on there, that's how they were acting. They were laughing, ha, 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 you know, and just making light of it. And that's ridiculous with anything that the public is bringing up. There's a guy in my film. Um, I don't think we left this in there, but, you know, Rory, our narrator, interviews some people on the streets of New York, and, you know, the guy, he says, look, man, if you get enough people in the, in, in, bitching and moaning about something, they're going to do something about it. They're going to look into it, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get enough people bitching and moaning about it so somebody looks into it. <laughs> but I agree, yeah, and on both sides, that if you if you have one, if you negate one part of it, then the whole thing's bunk and it, it doesn't work like that in, in my film like i said i don't go into specifics of oh yeah this this and that and i'm not trying to convince anybody i'm just telling a story the michael and karen story and then intercut with that is the objective storyline which follows um you know talking about well mycotoxins and they're supposed to you know they're a toxin to, to for the molds they're the mold defense system and there's been controversy, and I say in the movie, I don't say definitively that mold, you know, the mycotoxins cause illness, but I do say, you know, mold is that they've been that's suggested that mold has caused illness, and I go into, you know, the different things. I, I mean, I try to keep a middle ground, uh, but I try to show that the stuff that has been shown and proven to show that mold does cause illness, um, because. The only thing that the other side has is, I don't know what they have. They have, you know, the ACOM uh, report. They have a couple of reports that aren't really valid as far as science goes, in my opinion. But um, it's just the mold people have people who are saying they're sick from mold, and the other side really doesn't have anything except, oh, we don't think it causes mold. That's my opinion. Um, I don't think the other side... And I say the other side because I'm one. I'm someone who's been ill from mold. And then if somebody, you know, comes out and says, "Well, I don't think it's possible," they don't have anything. I have something that's there that happened to me. I'm saying, check it out. Don't ignore it. You know. All right, that's a great point. But the problem is, the problem. Yeah, the problem is though. There's a lot of money involved in this situation. It's like this bestest lead in, in, in the tobacco. There's a lot of money. It took 25 years 
from the first smoking study, approximately. I know somebody's going to try to quote me and say it was 26 or 23. <laughs> no, no, okay? <laughs> right. It was about 25 years, about 25 years from the first study that proved that smoking causes, tobacco causes cancer until the CDC actually came out and had a, um, a, a public you know, statement and say, look, smoking it's linked to lung cancer and is a causal association possibly to heart disease. 25 years. Well, the mold thing's been going on. If you want to say Melinda Ballard with the $35 million case was the start, we got a long way to go. Okay. Let's go to Environmental Annie. Any questions? I do. Mike, um, I understand that your movie is going to be released in about a handful of cities. Now, if your movie is becomes very successful, um, what do you plan to do with the the proceeds for that, well, uh, the profit from it. Will you perhaps uh, help mold victims, or will you perhaps make another movie about mold? Mm. <laughs> I will not going to make another movie about mold. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a mold activist. Okay. I'm a ma I'm a filmmaker. No, I'm an actor, as, as you saw in my bio. I'm, a, I'm mm. an actor and I'm a filmmaker. I'm not a, I'm not a mold activist. I'm just someone who told my story in a movie form uh, and told the mold story as it was and as it is uh, and as it will probably continue to be for some time, uh, and, and that's all I did. Um, as far as helping mold people, who am I going to help? Okay. There's a couple of organizations. There's one organization that I'm, I'm, that I'm, that I'm very adamant about. That's the Center for School Mold Help because... Uh, I know that uh, Susan Kramer, I mean, excuse me, Susan Brinkman works tirelessly for very little money. And, um, and I have a real problem with people being forced into buildings um, that they don't own to go to school. If it's your own building and you want to grow mold, man, you want to grow mold to the, to the hills, man, go for it. <laughs> but, you know, if it's your own home, but when you're forcing your children to go into a building that's not taken care of because the... Um, and it, so, okay, so even if it is a mold, let's say it's bacteria, whatever. Um, you know, let's keep the buildings where our kids go to school moisture-free so we don't have the issue there. Um, and then that's what, you know, I, I mean, I would help them out. Um, but, but, you know, this isn't a funding film for um, mold activism. This is a fun, this is a movie that I made just so that I can eat and pay my bills. There you go. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Michael, uh, let's go to Dieter, see if he has a final question or comment. Dr. Dieter. Yeah, well, uh, I, I listen carefully, and there's certainly a ton of valid uh, points, and there's certainly more question marks than we have answers. You know, I studied uh, farmers' lung and brucellosis and bagatosis. These are all basically the same lung diseases. Right. I was uh, told and taught that uh, that was produced by bacteria and the lipopolysaccharides that's from gram-negative um, bacteria which get into the air. On the other hand, if we look at mycotoxins, and there is no doubt about it, that some of them are very powerful, powerful agents. Third of penicillin, and we know what penicillin does. I know of another uh, mycotoxin, cyclosporin, which is used in transplant agents patients as an agent to prevent rejection. In other words, it is indeed a chemical that produces 
uh, or, or screws up your immune system. Suppresses your immune system intentionally, I guess, huh, Dieter? Yeah, it's very much so. You know, that the rejection. So in other words, are those powerful drugs? Yes. Can they produce um, a healthy person without a transplant reactions? Oh, yes, they can. No doubt about it. And uh, so it's, 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 it's really, I mean, the, the, the question is, uh, how, how, where do we go from here? Um, uh, are we missing the boat? Um, should we do more studies? I, I kind of think so. I think there ought to be uh, money being uh, made available to research agencies and look at uh, 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 mold. Yeah, well, saying what you just said was—I'll just this is this is an example. You said the farmer. You learned that the farmer's lung was was caused by bacteria. See, that's not what the CDC says. Uh, I have a guy in my film, Dr. Stephen Red, who said that you know pneumonitis is caused. That's caused by you know yep. exposure to grain, moldy moldy grain. Now, is it caused from the bacteria in the moldy grain? I don't know, but he's saying it's moldy grain. So, I mean. You know, that's just one disease, one incident, one situation, and we've got all these symptoms, all these people, all these problems, and it's going to take a lot of money. And and I don't, and that's why I'm saying it's it's going to take a lot of money. And the people who have the money um, have a vested interest in not <laughs> providing that uh, those funds for that because you know it's just because it would affect. Um, every structure that we are in because we live indoors um, and I do address that in my film there's a, like a one-minute animation you know about uh, the potential abuse of the court system uh, you know and, and I you know I'm actually not a liberal I actually consider myself a conservative uh, not a conservative to the point that I'm you know way conservative but I'm a conservative person um, and so I'm not you know, I'm not all for, hey, let's just bomb the courts with these, you know, every mold, you know, thing that comes up. Uh, I, I, that, that's going to put a big weight on everybody. So it, it's really a mess in all aspects, not just the health part, but the health, the, the remediation and everything, because we just don't, it's just a lack of knowledge, like the doctor said. Dieter, anything else you wanted to add? Uh, well, yeah, I, like I said, I, <laughs> I have material for the next two hours. <laughs> All right. Well, we can't keep but Michael. I, I think we touched on a couple of important issues, and um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm the first one to say that we don't know enough about it, and I'm the first one to say that we should do more about it, and that do more about it is put money into it and study it and see what is happening over there. It really hasn't been done. I know of no, you know, like we study breast cancer or colon cancer or AIDS or something like that. Uh, it, it has not been done, and I think, uh, I think we ought to look into it. On the other hand, I guess we can take care of the whole problem if we build our buildings right and don't let water get into it. Yeah, that, that takes care of the problem right then and there. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And I urge people to see my film just to, you know, to watch the story. I don't think it's what people think it is because they, they, I think they think it's going to be some biased story about, you know, oh, mold this, mold that. And it's really not. It's, it's, it's just I think people are going to be surprised, the people, even people that don't believe that mold can cause illness, I think they're going to enjoy this film. 
You know, I was just going to ask as my final question if there was anything you would like to add, and I'm not, I don't want to take, take the words out of your mouth, but it sounded like that was what you wanted to add. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just I, I don't think people, there's no reason to get bent out of shape over this film on either side. The mold people are happy because someone who was sick from mold made a movie. Um, the people that don't think mold causes illness should watch this because it's a good story. And maybe they'll have a different perspective because I did tell the story the way it is and the way people have lived it because you just can't convey it in words. you got to see it. Um, and if you see this, you know, then you'll know what we have lived and you'll know how many other people have lived. And, and you know, maybe we can go from there and have a start, <laughs> you know. Michael, before the very last thing I'd like to ask is how can people keep track of uh, where the movie's being released? Is there a website or something like that? Yeah, it's blindmoldexposuremovie.com, and they can sign up and register for updates. There's a link at the bottom, and we send out a newsletter like, um, you know, if we do go into more cities and more screenings and when it goes on DVD, and you know, they can be updated. They can also find us on MySpace, Facebook, um, and... Um, they can check out the trailer at blackmoldexposuremovie.com. All right. Very good. Well, I tell you what, uh, this has been a fascinating show. We really appreciate you joining us today. Michael Roland Williams, the uh, executive producer of Black Mold Exposure here on Indoor Air Quality Radio. Um, next week, we're going to have uh, Jeff May back for the full hour. Jeff is uh, well-known to most of our viewers. Looking forward to that. Uh, before we go, I want to make sure I thank... Uh, uh, Annie, environmental Annie for helping us out here the uh, wingman Chris Boisel who's been at the controls all day our technical director Dr. Dietrich Wow but most importantly I want to say thanks to our growing group of loyal listeners looks like uh, you brought out a few people today Michael thanks again for joining us and uh, thanks to those of you that joined us and listened in please join us again next Friday at noon for the next broadcast of IAQ Radio This has been another IAQ Radio production.